Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we just thank you for the morning. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in the midst of chaos. You are a God of order. And we see it, Lord. And we're going to see it this morning in our study. You have a plan and a purpose. If we truly believe that you are God and that you are all-powerful and that you are all-presence and that you're all-knowing, Help us to surrender our thoughts to you. Help us to act upon that wisdom. Not just head knowledge, but that head knowledge would turn into practical wisdom and we'd walk like we really believe what we say we believe. You're God. You know what's taking place. And you have a plan and a purpose. So help us to talk about that this morning. And allow our hearts to rest, to rest, as your word says, labor to enter into God's rest on what you already know is going to take place. I pray for the gift of teaching in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the name Isaiah means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. He lived during the time of the prophets Amos, Hosea, and Micah and received his call from God in the temple of Jerusalem in the 8th century B.C. Now, if you look this up on the internet, young people, you're going to see B.C.E., before common era. It's B.C., before Christ, before Christ. It was a turbulent time in, for Israel. The northern kingdom of Israel was comprised of 10 tribes who rebelled under Jeroboam, while Judah and Benjamin became known as the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah prophesied during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah, 742 to 687 B.C., and was struck by the moral breakdown of the times. He reminded the people of the need to keep God's covenant. If the Israelites were going to remain blessed or protected by God, feel free to slip in the name America there. But his ministry fell on deaf ears. A recurrent theme of Isaiah is the call for justice and righteousness. Justice refers to a rule of law, whereas righteousness refers to being personally upright. Both justice and righteousness are necessary for a stable society. The word justice appears in Isaiah more than any other book of the Bible. Isaiah also introduces the term day of the Lord, day of the Lord, a time for judgment, chastisement, punishment, and retribution for the sins of mankind. But Isaiah also speaks of a surviving remnant who rely upon the Holy One of Israel. The northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians in 722 BC. Now think about that. As David was one of the was at the pinnacle of the nation of Israel, he lived at a thousand BC. 
So less than 300 years, the northern tribes were removed off of the land. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 17, 7 through 18. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And they had feared other gods. And they had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. Also the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And they built for themselves high places in all their cities from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. There they burned incense on all the high places, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all his prophets every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. So notice as we see this, especially you young people, they had the word of God. They should have been studying the word of God and participating in the word of God so that they would have no excuse. Well, they made excuses and God said, fine, I'll send you prophets. I'll send you men who will beckon you to come back and who will point you to the word of God. And many of those prophets were killed. Verse 14, nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. Notice that God is not the problem. I had a conversation this past week where someone said to me, well, how can you believe in a God that creates us and then causes us to sin and isn't happy with us and we can't make him happy and when we die, he sends us to hell? I go, well... uh, I wouldn't serve a God like that either. But you see, unfortunately, your theology is off because that's not the God of the Bible. And we're seeing it here this morning. God was sending men calling the nation to repent, to repent, repent, repent. In case you don't know, you might be new, you might might not even be a Christian yet. Repent means to turn, to acknowledge there's a problem and I need to turn and be right. I need to be right with maybe someone else, so I need to repent, I wrong them, or I need to repent towards God. Nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffen their necks. So you're here this morning, you have an opportunity to hear from God. And I said to this person, you know, let me give you a little analogy about your theology. Hawaii, it'd be great to go to Hawaii, wouldn't it? Get on a cruise ship and go to Hawaii. And so you have a close friend that tells you, you're gonna love Hawaii. The cruise ship is wonderful, it's fantastic, no coronavirus, you're gonna have a great time. It's gonna be unbelievable. Get on the ship and you're just gonna have a fantastic time. So you get on the ship. Now, if you take the distance from San Diego to Hawaii, for you that are math, I I still gotta figure this out, I lost the answer, so maybe you can find it and give it to me if you're good at math. But it's a very simple triangle but I'm not good at math. So you take that distance and then you're off one degree. Just one degree. 
That's it. That's not that. What's one degree, right? By the time you get to that distance on the cruise ship, you're going to be really mad at your friend. I thought my friend loved me. He lied to me. There's no Hawaii. You will not see Hawaii. One degree. Hawaii does not exist. But I thought my friend loved me. Your friend did love you. You were off one degree. Don't blame your friend. Blame the cruise ship. You see what I'm getting at? So you young people, don't blame God. You older saints, don't blame God about what's taking place this past week. Don't stiffen your neck like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them, instructed them, taught them, that they should not do like them. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal, or Baal, however you like to pronounce it. Verse 17. And they caused their sons and daughters to... These are live children. They caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire, human sacrifice to false idols, practiced witchcraft and soothsaying, and sold themselves, notice that, sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. God removes his hands of protection upon a society that decides we don't need God. Jeremiah. Jeremiah's name means Yahweh will exalt. He received his calling to prophesy at a very young age, and after several years of preaching, Jeremiah's family turned against him and even plotted to kill him. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus. We'll get to those in a little bit. Over the years, he was whipped and put in stocks, attacked by a mob, threatened by the king, ridiculed. Some of Zechariah's princesses had Jeremiah arrested, beating, beaten, accused of treason, and thrown in jail. From there, he was taken and then thrown in a deep, empty well. In our daily reading the last few weeks, if you've been doing it with us, we're actually reading Jeremiah, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is, we've been reading this for the last like three weeks. This is parallel where we are with, as a nation to this very day. You see, he lived through the siege of Jerusalem and was there as the people were taken away captives to Babylon from 598 to 582 BC. Worst of all, Jeremiah was alone. He was not allowed to marry and his family abandoned him. The people turned against him and didn't believe his messages were from God. He was alone with the knowledge of the horrors coming to Judah. Unfortunately, or fortunately, we have the word of God, and so we're not alone as believers, but are we listening to the word of God? Jeremiah spent 40 years delivering God's message to Judah. His early messages focused on condemning false worship and social injustice with calls to repentance. He proclaimed a coming foe, and after the reforms under Josiah, he urged the people to adhere to the covenant, 
to adhere to the word of God. He continually urged focusing on the inner spirit and right actions rather than external religious practice. Early in Jehoiakim's reign, Jeremiah delivered his temple sermon, denouncing the people for depending on the temple for security instead of actually turning to God with their hearts. Not depending on Wall Street, not depending on Washington, D.C., not depending on Republicans or Democrats, not condoning abortion or same-sex marriage or sex trafficking or drug abuse or legalizing all drugs to create a better society. Guys, as we read this, this is paralleling where America is, the death of a nation, the death of a nation. However, his spiritual predictions of desolation were always for Judah. The first deportation to Babylon happened in 597 B.C. The Babylonians placed Zedekiah on the throne of Judah. During this time, Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon, telling them they would not be returning to their homeland anytime soon. Matter of fact, he said 70 years. 70 years. You're not coming back for at least 70 years. Now, there were false prophets who were saying, and you just read this, they're coming back. Two or three years, they're coming back. Don't listen to Jeremiah. They're coming back. No, 70 years. Instead, he passed along a message from the Lord telling them to settle in Babylon. This was a captivity for the long haul. The second and final deportation to Babylon happened in 587 B.C. Young people, God's word will be fulfilled. Bottom line, Jeremiah lived at a truly terrible time in Israel's history. Not only did he experience the horrors of war, starvation, siege, and captivity, but he was called upon to tell the people of it, urging them to repent. Unfortunately, they didn't listen. Jeremiah witnessed both in foresight and real time the destruction of his people. Jeremiah spent 40 years telling the people what would happen, but they didn't listen. Thus, a death of a nation took place, and no one, no one can deny that historical fact. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 7 very quickly, a lot of scriptures. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. And say, hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Jeremiah the prophet. Again, God loves people. And God is sending Jeremiah to, to help save the people from their ways. Jeremiah 7.3. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Notice the promise there. Just repent. Do not trust these lying words saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. You see, the ten northern tribes, they didn't have the temple. We have the temple. They were taken away because of idol worship. They didn't have the temple. We have the temple. They were taking idols and they were putting idols in the temple. But they were so focused on a building saving them that they forgot the God who brought them out. 
They, brought the very, they forgot the very God that brought them out. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Notice that. They were shedding innocent blood, sacrificing their children to gods. Little g. Or walk after other gods to your hurt. Then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land which I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Don't blame me. It's just, it's my culture. It's my age group. We're teens. This is what we do nowadays. You're just an old fuddy-duddy. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I have seen it, says the Lord. Very key there, guys. All of us as saints, notice the Lord sees what we do in private. He knows the heart. He knows the thoughts. We're not hiding anything from him. Even though we think we might be, he knows. Hmm. And now because you have done these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I'll do the house which is called by my name in which you trust and in this place which I gave to you and your fathers and have done it to Shiloh. Now, this is very important, Shiloh. Shiloh is a place that we go to on our Israel trip. That's where the tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses was literally located in Shiloh. They know the exact spot where the tabernacle was located at. And when we go there, you're going to find millions of pieces. You won't find millions. Millions of pieces are there. You'll find a few. But there are millions of pieces of pottery. Now, when you take your sacrifice to Shiloh, and it's in a clay pot, it's considered holy, so you can't take that home and put the goat's milk in it. You have to break the clay pot before you leave. That's why they know this is exactly where Shiloh was. If you took a brazen bowl, copper bowl, you could take that with you because it could be cleansed. It could be washed. Very, very important. Shiloh now, because the 10 northern tribes are taken, is totally desolate. Totally desolate. Again, it might not mean a whole lot to you, but the tabernacle that Moses designed and had built was there. The Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God, was there. And it's no more. Jeremiah is saying, go check it out. It's not there. You think your temple's going to last? I think we're at verse 15. And I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your brethren, the ten northern tribes, the whole posterity of Ephraim. Therefore, do not pray. Isn't this a sad verse? God is saying to Jeremiah, Therefore do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Now this is for Jeremiah. This is not our calling as Christians. We're to pray for our leaders, whoever those leaders are going to be or are. We're taught in the New Testament to respect, to pray, to honor, 
But God is saying to Jeremiah, I'm done. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood. The, fire, the, the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods that they might provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, says the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the shame of their own faces? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, my anger and my fury will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast, on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. For I did not speak to your fathers nor or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice. And I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. You see, guys, God's commandments are to keep us safe. He is not a cosmic killjoy. He wants to keep us safe because we are deadly in and of ourselves. 24. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but followed the counsels and dictates of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day. And I even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Again, notice that God just didn't start this and walk away. God loves us and God loves us to this very day. And he's sending us warnings in his word. Repent. Now, I know this doesn't apply to most of you. Then why teach it? Because in Ephesians, what are we in? We're in verse 26 when I come back. Because Ephesians says the role of the pastor is to teach up the saints so that they'll go out and do the work of the ministry. And part of your work is not arguing about Democrat or Republicans. Part of your work is not to argue about pollsters or those who are collecting ballots, or those who are running the ballots through. God has ordained certain people to take care of that. If we lose sight of what we're called to do, we're going to reap accordingly. We have a calling on our lives as believers that we're going to get to. What verse did I say we were on? 26. Yet, they did not obey me and inclined their ear. Is God the problem here, guys? Young people, is God the problem? God is not the problem. If you're blaming God, your theology is off one degree. But stiffen their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore, you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. Wouldn't you like to be Jeremiah the prophet? Thanks, God. This is great. So you say to them, this is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth shall per has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Cut off your hair, Jeremiah, and cast it away, and take up a lamentation on the desolate heights. For the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, says the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart. 
Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it will no more be called Tophet or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they will bury in Tophet until there is no room. The corpses of this people will be food for the birds of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and no one will frighten them away. Then I will cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem, and I believe this is coming to America, the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate." You see, as we look back and see what happened to that glorious nation of Israel, we can see the parallels that are happening to America that was clearly founded on Christian beliefs found within the Bible. Were our founding fathers perfect? No. But they had a desire to see a nation blessed by the one who was, is, and always will be, the God of the Bible. They were not perfect. Many of us are here today grieving over what is taking place in our country. I believe that it's not about one person, Biden or Trump. Although half of the nation and much of the world would like us to think that, I think that as a Bible-believing Christian, we are grieving over the fact that over 74 million Americans, 74 million, million Americans voted for a platform that endorses abortion, gender dysphoria, gay marriage, and a host of other unbiblical aspects. Don't argue with me. Repent and read your Bible. 74 million. Over 50% of those who voted are in agreement with the democratic platform. That is a statement that God will not take lightly. Just as we've seen the death of a nation of Israel and the word of God, we are seeing the death of our nation taking place right in front of our eyes. And this is what I believe we are grieving over. I don't know about you, but there was a heaviness. Wednesday night coming to church here, there was a heaviness here. There's a grieving that's taking place. And I'm just asking the Lord, how can I present it to the flock? And he's given me these verses. We could use so many verses, but he's given me a few. Most of us have seen a godly nation turn into a godless nation. Most of us have seen a pro-Christian nation turn into a anti-Christian nation. There's no debating that. So just as there is a grieving process that we go through in the sudden death of a friend or a family member, and I have been with families whose son was killed, I think he was 21 years old. There's a grieving process that we have to go through and that you have to work through personally. And I've been working through this for several months, and so I was pretty much prepared for Tuesday, but it was still grieving, and it still is grieving. Not because of Biden or Trump, but because 74 million Americans say, I agree with abortion. I agree with gay marriage. I agree with multiple genders. I agree with confusing our children in kindergarten and up. I'm in agreement with that. That's what is grieving, guys. And that's what should grieve all of us. 
And so there are various lists out there of the grieving process, but basically it comes down to this pattern. You have grief. Typically the first thing that hits you in grief, especially if it's a sudden situation, is anger. Why would God allow this to happen? Why? I thought you were a good God. I serve you. I love you. I've been reading my Bible. Why? And then shock and denial. Maybe the person is in ICU. And, then, and you go to the doctors. And the doctors tell you, it's not looking good. Maybe 5% chance. I think you should have the family come in and say their goodbyes. And you go through shock and denial. Oh, no. No, no, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. No, no, he'll be okay. He's going to come out of it. And then you go to bargaining. God, if you save them, I'll read my Bible every single day. God, I'll be in church twice a week. God, I'll do whatever it takes. And then you go to depression because the person dies. All your hopes, your dreams. Maybe it's a child who drowned. And all of a sudden there's just depression. God, how could you allow this to happen? You're, 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 not, you're not a loving God. And then you start to see the bigger picture. That God, you had a plan in this. And I'm starting to see it. And then you go to acceptance and hope. And again, this has varying ways of looking at it. But this, you want to take a picture of this. I encourage you, even after the first service, several people come up to me and said, thank you. I needed that. Because that's exactly what I'm going through. I'm going through a grieving process. And so I encourage you, take a picture of that. Let's look at 2 Peter very quickly. Get to some more scriptures. If that happened in Israel, could it happen to America? Could it happen to many countries? Could we get to a one world government? Revelation chapter 13. Could we get to a one world global economy? I encourage you to do a study on the great reset. The great reset. It's not a conspiracy. It is going to happen. 2 Peter 3, 1 says this, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. What's Peter saying? Remember, 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 remember. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Jesus coming back? My grandmother talked about that. Come on. Jesus is not coming back. Would you grow up? Get out of that religion. You're weird. Read your Bibles. Israel was going to be dispersed. They were. They were regathered in 1948. The fig tree started to blossom. In 1967, Jerusalem became part of, an, part of Israel, the capital of Israel. Jesus said, when this happens, that generation will not pass. A generation is not 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700 years. Get into your Bible and wake up. 70, 80 years is a generation. From 67, count the years yourself. Jesus is coming back right on time. You might not like what's going on, but don't scoff at his return. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. So Peter confirms the flood, as Jesus also confirmed the flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire, until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. 2 Timothy chapter 3, very quickly. 
But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. You see, there is going to be a last day or the last days. And again, you might not believe in it. There were prophets begging the 10 northern tribes, stop, repent, turn to God. There were prophets begging the two north, southern, north, southern tribes, stop, repent, return to God. Yeah. For men would be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, verse 3, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughties, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Throwing the name God around or quoting a Bible verse does not make you a Christian. A Christian is a Christ follower. A Christ follower will have transformation in their lives. They'll become more like Jesus, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. From such people, turn away. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You see, they knew that God was going to wrap everything up. It's in the Old Testament. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Saints, Revelation chapter 12 Satan's number one job is deception. People will often quote John 10.10. No, it's Revelation chapter 12. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But the only way the thief can do that is by deceiving you or I into believing something that is not true. How do I know it's not true? By being in the Bible. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Do people believe he's coming back? No. Do many churches under the banner of Christianity believe in the second coming of Christ? No. Who are you going to believe? The Bible? I would recommend that you believe the Bible. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Notice what Jesus says here. It's going to happen. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That word nation there is ethnos. Ethnic group against ethnic group. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound notice the lord's guaranteed promise here the love of many will grow cold that where love there is agape only christians can have agape love only christians but he who endures to the end shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come luke 21 Luke 21. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars. 
and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Verse 26, Luke 21. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great, with power and great glory. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Jesus said it first, not Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. (laughs) He is coming back. But if you believe it, you're going to work through the grieving process. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws near. You see, guys, the disciples didn't want to have Jesus go to the cross because they didn't believe all the scriptures. They picked and choose what they wanted to believe. And there's many people today that don't want to live a Christian life because they want to pick and choose the scriptures they want to believe. Well, God's loving. He'll forgive me. God is just. Look back at history. A nation, the death of a nation. So what should we do? Do we as believers just give up, go out and hide? Should we go out and fight militarily? Luke 19, 11 through 13. Now, as they heard these things, Jesus spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought, they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. They didn't understand that there had to be future scriptures called the New Testament with even more prophecy. Therefore, Jesus said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, notice that each servant got the same amount of money. So this isn't the parable of the ten, the five, and the one. Everybody gets the same amount. And said to them, do business till I come. So what are we to do as Christians? What are we to do? We're to be busy. We're to be responsible. We're to be the best student on campus. That doesn't mean you're getting straight A's. I was so happy I got C's. Praise God. But you're to be the best witness, picking up trash, treating people nicely, not developing cliques, not letting other people into the clique because you're a special group of people. You're special, all right. For us adults, realizing that we need to be the best employee on the job site. I need to do business till he returns so that people see Jesus in me. So the physical business, taking care of earthly responsibilities, but then also the spiritual business. What's the spiritual business? Well, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 again. What are we to do then? You're making me more depressed. Wake up. 2 Corinthians 5. If Jesus is coming back, you ain't going to stop him. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, guys, as Christians, from heaven to earth, God sees us as holy and unblameable. He doesn't see us as Republicans, Democrats, Socialists, Communists. He doesn't see us as straight, gay. He doesn't see us as male, female, or the other 72 genders that are supposed to be out there. He sees us as saints, as saints, holy 
and unblameable in his sight. From heaven to earth. Earth to heaven? I got a problem. I sin. You sin. We all sin. So that's why I need to repent and turn to God and ask for forgiveness so I can be right with him and I can help other people to get right as well. Not to argue about. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. What's our goal and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, guys? This is what you and I are to be doing. We're not to be arguing getting all frustrated, angry, anxious, nervous, worried. Now let's pray for those people who are in those positions, Christians, and they have that calling and they're going to go and do that. Great. But are you called to be a lawyer? Are you going to figure out this whole problem in your house, in your bedroom, in your living room? Uh, feel free to take your head and say, no, because you're not. But your neighbors and your coworkers need Jesus. Your friends need Jesus. And how are they going to get it? Through your ambassadorship. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Guys, do you see that? Do you understand that? God was in the world. God was in the world. Reconciling the world to himself. Not reconciling Republicans or Democrats or pick whatever you want to put in there. He was reconciling, as we're approaching, 8 billion people. He has reconciled 8 billion people. But if they don't want it because we have free will, then they don't have to have it. God sends no one to hell. We go there ourselves on our own choice. I don't want your God. I don't want your Jesus. I don't want your Bible. I'll take my chances. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And final verses, Hebrews chapter 11. These all died in faith, eleven thirteen, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Guys, I encourage you as believers, get to this verse. Through the Holy Spirit, I got to this verse decades ago. Let it burn. God, if you want to take it away, take it away. I'm going to heaven. It's all yours. You gave it to me. I just get to keep it for a certain amount of time. I'm going to leave it to the kids or grandkids or whoever. One of these days, I'm going to be gone, and I'm not going to look back and care one bit. You see, they, they knew that they were strangers or pilgrims. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Guys, do you think we're going back? We are not going back. 74 million Americans said we are not going back. We're going forward with our agenda. And that includes 
abortion, LGBTQ, gender dysphoria, drugs. We're moving forward. Get on the train or get off because we're going to run over you. If you're a Christian, you better get ready. As I've been saying for the last few years, this is not a game. This is serious. But now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. How many of you are believers in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. That means, not because you're a good person, but because you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are going to heaven. You are going to heaven. We have to live like we're going to heaven. You see, the disciples were brought before the Sanhedrin and they were accused of spreading the name of Jesus. And there was a man named Gamaliel. And maybe that name sounds familiar because Saul was trained up under Gamaliel. And as the Sanhedrin was debating about these disciples and we need to beat them, we need to discourage them, we need to do anything we can to get them to stop talking about Jesus, Gamaliel finally stepped up and he said this. You know, we've seen this before. And these things come and go. I'm paraphrasing it. You can read about it in Acts. But this is basically what he said. But then he said to all of the 70 elders, but if this is of God, should we fight against God? Guys, if bringing America down is of God, I'm not fighting against God. I'm going to be on God's side and stay focused on what he wants to do and try to take somebody with me. I encourage you to do the same. Go through the grieving process. Work it through. I'm bummed for my kids and grandkids because I've had a sweet life. And about you, I've had a sweet life. It's not going to be the same for our kids and grandkids. Grieve. Get over it. And then get into the Bible because we're there. We are in the last days. Father, I thank you and praise you that we have your word. It's not what man says. What does your Bible say? Your Bible is perfectly clear. You took Israel off the land as you said you would if they disobeyed. Why do we think we're any different? We're not one nation under God. So Father, as believers, keep us awake. Help us not to slumber, to fall asleep, to be lethargic, to think, well, you know, it'll be okay. The stock market will come back. Help us to realize the facts that people are going to hell and they need Jesus. And we, as our, we are ambassadors for Christ. Whatever Washington, D.C. does, they do. Father, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Help us minister this week to our coworkers, to our family members who are scared, who are living in fear, who don't have Jesus. Father, wake us up and give us that opportunity to witness this week to someone that we might give them a living hope, that there is hope beyond this thing. There's eternal hope. Father, we pray for anyone in our midst right now that doesn't know Jesus. We pray that they would come up after this service and that they would receive Jesus as their Savior. This is not church. This is not a game. 
you're coming back and judgment is taking place. Wake us up and use us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's all stand, guys. God bless you. Thank you for hanging in there. Be encouraged and strengthened. God wants to use you this week. You're ambassador for Christ. Share your living hope. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you guys. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.